Welcome to East Texas News Roundup for the week ending August the 30th, 2019. East Texas News Roundup is a weekly review of the news in five southeast Texas counties covered by Polk County Publishing Company newspapers, including Tyler, Polk, Trinity, San Jacinto, and Houston counties by the editors of those five newspapers. Tyler County Booster Editor Chris Edwards kicks off this week's podcast. Howdy, everybody. Chris Edwards here, coming at you from Tyler County, bringing you the news and events from this week's edition of the Tyler County Booster. Our top story for this week actually is a breaking story that came down the pike after we'd gone to press for this week's paper, but it's one I wanted to go ahead and bring up here on the roundup. And, of course, we'll have a more substantial story about it in next week's print edition. But leading off this week, a man is Jefferson County Jail in Beaumont on a million-dollar bond charged with a murder that happened 30 years ago. Daniel Andrew McGinnis, who is a Warren resident, is accused of the 1988 murder of Patricia Ann Jacobs. And this crime was recently reinvestigated through some evidence and DNA testing that wasn't available in 1988 when the crime occurred. What happened, according to the Jefferson County District Attorney's Office, was that who provided a good recap to this case and brought it up to current speed after McGinnis was arrested yesterday and, and arraigned, is that on or about October the 5th of 1988, Patricia Ann Jacobs failed to return home from a meeting at the Silver Spur Tavern in Hardin County. The next morning, her truck was found still parked in the parking lot at the Silver Spur, and she was reported as a missing person at the Hardin County Sheriff's Office. The next day, her lifeless body was found in the Natchez River in Port Arthur. An autopsy revealed that she died as a result of drowning and has sustained trauma to her head and face. The manner of death was listed on the death certificate as a probable homicide. Following an intense investigation conducted by several agencies, including the Texas Rangers, the Hardin County Sheriff's Office, and the Port Arthur Police Department, they couldn't come up with anything. They had interviewed numerous witnesses, and McGinnis was even identified at the time as a suspect, but they could not pin that he and Jacobs knew each other and there was lack of evidence, so he was let go and dismissed as a suspect. However, recently evidence come up that was sent to the DPS crime lab and DNA profile was developed that matched to McGinnis and McGinnis has been living in Warren for some time and is a registered sex offender. He has several previous convictions that are listed on his registry in the DPS's sex offender database. So again, this is a breaking story and we will bring you more thoroughly up to date on it in next week's print edition. But McGinnis has been arraigned for the crime and he's currently in the Jefferson County Jail on a $1 million bond. All right, moving right along to things that did appear in this week's print edition. And by the way, if you're in Tyler County and you don't already have one, swing by our office located at 203 West Bluff Street and grab you a copy or anywhere where fine publications are sold throughout the county. 75 cents is a bargain, I do say. But our top story in this week's print edition was an update on 
County business. And Tyler County received its annual outside audit for its fiscal year 2018 to 2019. We're about to go into a new fiscal year. Budgets are being drafted and so forth. The findings of the previous year's fiscal audit were presented in, during Monday morning's commissioner's court meeting. And the county received an opinion of unmodified on its audit. Darla Belt Deer, who presents the audits and works with the firm of Belt, Harris, and Pekacek, I believe that's how that's said. I've heard the county judge say it that way. Pekacek or Pekacek, that they're an accounting firm that does a lot of uh, taxing entities audits. They've done the counties for a long time and in different cities around here too and school districts as well. But anyway, she was on hand to present the draft of the audit that she had. It was actually prepared by Sonny Gardner, who has worked for several years with the firm and started as an intern and is now doing some of the audit work. And she's a Tyler County native and graduated not too long ago from Sperger, I believe. So the unmodified opinion is the highest opinion that a taxing entity can receive on an audit finding. And Darla Deer reported that the total revenue for the county for the last fiscal year stood at $9,747,414, whereas the total expenditures were $8,770,505. And Judge Blanchett, after the report was presented in a very thorough manner, Judge Blanchett said, overall, we are in solid shape as a governmental entity. We are adequately reserved for any major concern that should affect Tyler County. And Darla Belt Deer congratulated Jackie Skinner, who's the county auditor, and her staff for such a great work and staying on top of the county's finance, as well as all the other county elected officials and employees. And in turn, Judge Blanchett thanked Miss Deer and her staff for such a thorough job with the audit that they do. So that was the audit, and the commissioners voted to go ahead and approve the findings, and so they can make a final draft presentation. Also from that commission court meeting, there was a pretty good update on the courthouse remediation project. For those of you who have been keeping track of this, the Texas Historical Commission mandated several stipulations to the county that they can undertake in order to be back in the good with the Historical Commission and go forth with the restoration project. And I don't want to go too much into the backstory of this, but it's been a long saga, a long drawn out one, but there's some progress being made. And one of the stipulations mandated by the Historical Commission was that the county had to employ a preservation architect to oversee the work, and that is Labiche Architectural Firm out of Beaumont. Last Friday, the judge and some members who are on the uh, remediation project committee met with a couple of representatives from Labiche, and it was reported that they're about 30% done with the drawings, and as soon as the drawings are done, they're going to submit those to the Historical Commission to move forward on that. And some good news that came out of that from findings from conversations that were had between the architects and the Historical Commission, um, apparently the county is going to be able to use some materials and local labor in order to do some of the work on the courthouse, which is really good news in terms of saving money because these historical restoration projects cost a lot of money. And sometimes when one of these kind of projects is being done, you have to have a certain construction firm that specializes in historic renovations and restorations. But a lot of the basic work can be done by general laborers and local laborers. So there's going to be some money saved there, which I know that uh, the taxpayers are going to be happy about. Moving on to another story, Woodville ISD students now have the opportunity to utilize the high-speed internet or Wi-Fi for free. And this is something that's potentially available to a lot of other school districts too. But back in, I believe it was April, Woodville ISD announced that they had obtained a grant from 
T-Mobile's Empowered program. And what it is, is they've got this grant money that they're awarding applicants seek out to provide school-aged children with reliable access to the internet, both in school and at home. According to their mission statement on their website for this program, it states, we believe mobile access holds the power to close the homework gap by giving students the tools that they need to plug into the 21st century learning and opportunity at any time from anywhere. And this is a really good deal. Now, Monday, the district sent home letters with all of their students, as well as posted it on their website for parents to read and also to fill out a form to denote which children are going to be participating in this and so that they can receive a hotspot. And they're responsible for the hotspot and any damages that happen to it, they'll be fined for. And the hotspots have to be returned at the end of the school year. But this is a really good thing. And basically, the district is offering one mobile hotspot for every two siblings living in the same household. The parents must designate which student or students will be responsible for the hotspot. And also, it's to be noted because out here in this part of East Texas, you know, internet access or Wi-Fi access is kind of hit or miss some places. I know I on my cell phone, I get a bad signal out at my house and Wi-Fi is near to non-existent out there. But the district said it's fully aware that all areas in Woodville and the surrounding areas may not receive a strong signal and service might be limited. But these hotspots and the access they provide are able to be used not just at home, but anywhere the student might be, whether it's posting up at Whataburger to study for a test late at night or at school. Well, you know, these kids have access at school, but just anywhere. So yeah, that's going to be a really good thing. And also in the story, we have links to the websites where these applications can be obtained for any school districts that might want to take part in this program potentially. You know, high-speed internet access is no longer the wave of the future. It is the here and now, and it's one of those things that is attractive to potential employers and, of course, employees, people looking to relocate somewhere. I mean, the internet is such a part of everything that we do, so this is a great thing for the youth of the Woodville School District. Alrighty, now, some good news coming from also the direction of Woodville. Tyler County Hospital recently named a longtime employee to a leadership position of there. Connie Sturrock is going to be serving as the new chief nursing officer of Tyler County Hospital, and she's been working there already for more than a decade. She attended the Tyler County Hospital School of Vocational Nursing and then started working right after that. And then while she was working at the hospital, she obtained her bachelor degree in nursing from SFA and has done a lot of things there at the hospital. And she's going to start her new position on September the 1st. So way to go, Connie, and uh, doing great things over at the hospital and be doing more great things. So very good. Now, last but not least, before I bid you farewell, everybody out there listening, we've got Labor Day weekend coming up this weekend. So be sure to have fun, but make sure to, to be careful. There's nothing wrong with having a few beers or whatever, or, you know, just kicking back, you know, however you want to find your relaxation, but just be careful and don't drink and drive. Don't get in a boat being too drunk or, you know, any of those situations are just bad news potentially. And consequently, the Texas Department of Transportation is doing a public service campaign this Labor Day holiday and this Labor Day weekend 
called Plan While You Can. And they're trying to persuade Texas residents to not drink and drive or to find a sober ride if they are, you know, at a party or somewhere where they have had one too many. And there's several alternatives, you know, if you find yourself in this situation. Let's say you you drive over to your friend's house who lives, I don't know, in the next town to go to his barbecue, Labor Day weekend barbecue. And his time just kind of gets away from you. And you've had one, two, five too many beers. And then you find yourself not knowing how you're going to get home. Well, there's alternatives to getting behind the wheel. And TextDot has provided a list and some information with this campaign. And we publish it to our Facebook page. But here's some of those alternatives. One is to uh, designate a sober driver or to call someone for a sober ride home. Two is to contact a cab or rideshare service, which I know we don't really have public transportation out in Tyler County, but that is one alternative. Other places, I mean, if you're, you know, somewhere in an urban area, if you're in Houston and you find yourself in this situation or wherever, and using mass transit, which again is kind of a non-issue here, if you are in a place where you have it, then definitely an alternative. And of course, spending the night. Most people are reasonable, and if you're at a party or whatever it is, and you've had too much to drink, and host or hostess would, you know, be understanding and accommodating or find somewhere to spend the night that's safe. They also noted, and TextDot did, that drivers who are under the influence can face up to $17,000 in fines and fees or jail time or the loss of their driver's license if they're uh, caught driving while intoxicated. And also, it cited that last year's Labor Day holiday weekend in Texas, there were 328 crashes involving drivers who were driving under the influence of alcohol. And out of those crashes, eight people were killed and another 25 of them were seriously injured. So folks, again, have fun, you know, whatever your definition of fun is, but just be careful out there, okay? So anyways, with all that in mind, I sure thank you for listening and be good to yourselves. Until next time. Hello, this is Kelly Barnes, and I'm here at the Polk County Enterprise office, and we're about to tell you another week's worth of news. As you know, we're a group of five newspapers in five different counties, and in Polk County, it's our newspaper that is twice weekly. So when you hear from me, I'm pulling news from our Sunday paper and also the Thursday paper, which as of this broadcast time is actually tomorrow. The papers come in on Wednesday. So here I am sitting at the podcasting table and every week I also have to pull out the inserts. And I was just noticing how many of these inserts there are. And if you get a copy of the Polk County Enterprise, you're going to have an opportunity to see a real estate guide, which is all of the big realtors in Polk County. They run in the real estate guide. We have inserts from CVS Pharmacy, from Dollar General. We've got, let's see, Lowe's is running an insert in the paper. We have Sears. We also have, of course, Brookshire Brothers. So many, many big businesses in Polk County advertise in our newspaper with an ad or an insert. And we encourage you to run ads in the paper because when you run ads in the paper, all of our readers, and we have thousands of papers that we put out twice weekly and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people subscribe in advance and then many, many others in the thousands actually buy these newspapers off the newsstands for 75 cents each on purpose. They want to read what's happening in Polk County. And our job here at the Polk County Enterprise is to keep you informed of what's going on in Polk County. And we're proud to do that each week. There's a couple of advertisers who actually bring you the page one news every single week. State Farm 
Christopher Scott and also Gabriel Jordan Ford. These are two big businesses in Polk County, and they are right at the top of the page saying, hey, look at what's going on in Polk County, and if you need our services, we're here for you. I'm looking at the paper here, and I see that Greg Peak, our editor, did a story on the VFW seeking to honor fallen local soldier. And I'll just read you the first paragraph, a tribute to a deceased Polk County soldier and a hearing on the new tax rate were among items on the Polk County Commissioner's agenda. So this is a Commissioner's Court story, and they talked about what they approved, but there was a resolution requested by the VFW Post 8568 of Livingston to honor a gentleman by the name of Stuart Moore, and what they're wanting to do is designate a portion of U.S. Highway 90 East as the Stuart Moore Memorial Highway, and so stay tuned to that. Children's Haven is going to be running fundraiser. It's a chili fest. It's planned for October the 12th, and they're seeking the hottest chili in town. So if you'd like to participate, if you've got some of the hottest chili in town, you may want to sign up for that. It's a fundraiser for a worthy cause. On Alaska ISD has a hearing set for their budget and tax rate. Be sure and watch that. And as we said last week, many of these taxing entities have been running the last few weeks advertisements, which are required by law for them to keep you informed of your tax rate. If those things are changing, if there's a time to vote on it or talk about it, it's why public notices and legal notices are required for our government agencies to run in our newspapers. Hey folks, this is Valerie with the San Jacinto News Times, and we're going to do a quick highlights of the news for this week. Last week we talked about the escapees from the Liberty County Jail being found in Shepherd, and that investigation is ongoing. Captain DeFore of the Liberty County Sheriff's Office said they are still trying to figure out exactly how those two inmates got out of their cells and out of the building so that they could access a hole in the fence and go on a run that we know encompassed a three-county area. They left Liberty County and spent some time in Montgomery County and then were found a kind of wooded area in Shepherd. So they get to have some extra felony charges and Liberty County is going to keep on checking to see if they can figure out how exactly those inmates happen to go on the lam. We've got a report on uh, Cold Spring ISD's convocation. They started school this week. They were one of the final school districts in the area to return to the classroom. Shepherd started a little earlier because they have a district of distinction plan that allows them to start. Otherwise, districts that don't do that customized plan, they have to wait till after the third Monday in August to start school. There is a whole long list of properties that are going to go up on the auction block on September the 3rd. There's a good 17 properties listed on the order of sale. Those cases have already been heard and they are posted on the door of the courthouse at 1 Texas 150 and those are going to go up for sale right after the holidays. So if you want to check out those properties, they're on the back page. 4B of the this week's edition of the San Jacinto News Times, there's everything from totally unimproved property. I see some in Trails End. There's like a 14-acre track. So all of these are going up for sale for unpaid taxes. If you're looking for a deal or a house to flip, there's a long list of them. Deputies also told me that they arrested a man for assaulting a custodial staff member at Executive Inn & Suites in Shepherd. 
So we've got the details on that arrest. David Holcomb has faced some felony charges for striking the maid, wrapping a telephone cord around her neck and assaulting her. The woman was 57 years old and just trying to do her job when a guy came up on her and attacked her. And we've got a photo of Shepard High School uh, career prep classes attending a job fair in Cold Spring. They'll also be on hand for the uh, San Jacinto County Workforce event on September the 11th. That'll help folks either take a next step up the career ladder or find a new job. And we've got photos of the Bank of San Jacinto County or honored Julia Rose Ellisor Hoot for her long, outstanding career with that bank. So you might want to check out Julia and her co-workers at the bank. We've got Dan Darby's column back in from First Methodist Church in Cold Spring. And catch up on everything that's coming up from the Queen of San Jacinto County, Yvonne Cones, has her column listing all of the great events coming up. We're getting ready for the history celebration at Old Town Spring on Labor Day, Monday. Camilla, American Legion Post, is going to have an event and they will celebrate the end of World War II. And they invite all veterans to come eat a free meal at the Camilla Post right there near Browder's Marina. They have more events coming up, Yvonne says, so she will be sure to pass those along. And they wanted to thank everybody for their support with celebrating San Jacinto County birthday. So keep up on all the great news. Football season is kicking off, so stay tuned. I know we'll have all the news on Livingston facing off against Shepard. The Shepard Pirates are coming off a very successful season, and Livingston is trying to notch a win for the first time in many years. So you probably want to catch that game in Shepherd and see if the Pirates can take down the Lions. Pick up your copy of the San Jacinto News Times at retailers all over San Jacinto County. Check us out online at sandjacknews.com or check in with our Facebook page. We'll see you next week. Hello, East Texas. This is Tony Browning at the Houston County Courier and Crockett. In this week's paper, we're featuring the celebration of the Houston County Courier's 130th year of producing an informative newspaper. We print this special section the last Thursday of every month throughout the year of 2019. This month, we feature articles and photos from the 1960s. There's an article and photo talking about the Fiddler's Festival that came to town in June of 1961. We have a few sports stories also from October of 1961. Currently, we are all talking about our local hospital issues. In the anniversary section, there are several articles about money being raised to build the hospital. The name they gave it was the Houston County Hospital, a Fred W. Ayers Memorial. It was named in honor of the gentleman that donated the land the hospital was eventually built on. It's amazing to me how many times that building has had a name change over the last 50 years. I'm glad it's still here and functioning as the citizens of Houston County need and want a hospital. Speaking of the hospital, the Houston County Hospital District has several large notices on page 3B concerning their effective tax rate and statement of increased taxes. The third ad announces to the public that they are invited to attend one of two public hearings that are to be held. One will be September 3rd at 5.30 p.m. and the second on September 6th at 5.30 p.m. Both meetings will be held at the Medical Center cafeteria. If you are concerned or have questions about your taxes, be at one or both of those meetings and let your voice be heard by the board. Now, here is Alton Porter with the front page news. Thank you, Tony. And again, hello, East Texans. In Houston County, we had a week filled with news as usual this week. I'll get right to it. Our lead story 
on the front page of the Houston County Courier this week is about an agreement brokered by County Judge Jim Lovell and the county commissioners that hopefully will put the officials of the Houston County Emergency Services District No. 2, commonly known as ESD2, and Crockett Fire Department officials back on good terms with each other. A majority of ESD2 Board of Directors members voted at a Thursday, August 22nd meeting to allow a contract they have had with Crockett Fire Department for many years to expire. ESD2 is a taxing entity in Houston County and it supports most of the county's fire departments financially and in other ways. The ESD2 officials said they felt Crockett Fire Department officials had recently requested an amount of financial support and other assistance from ESD2 that ESD2 is not in the position financially to provide. ESD2's decision ticked off Crockett Fire officials as well as Houston County officials and the relationship between ESD2 officials and Crockett Fire Department officials went south. As a result, Judge Lovell and the commissioners had ESD2 President George Crowson Jr. and other ESD2 board members appear before the commissioner's court Tuesday, August 27th to explain why they voted to allow ESD2's contract with the Crockett Fire Department to expire. Crockett Fire Chief Jason Frizzell also spoke at the meeting to present the fire department's position on the matter. The county judge and commissioners had planned to consider requesting the resignation of Krausen and the other ESD2 uh, board members who voted to end the relationship with the Crockett Fire Department. However, after a lengthy discussion, uh, one of the commissioners, Gary Lovell of Precinct 1, and Judge Jim Lovell recommended that representatives of the two parties, ESD2 and the Crockett Fire Department, get together and work out their differences in a conciliatory manner so that they will stay together and avoid any future action that might result in negative consequences for each of them and especially for the citizens of the city and county. The representatives on both sides of the matter agreed at the meeting to do as Judge Lovell and Commissioner Lovell suggested. You can see our complete story in the paper. Now, on a lighter note, in another story on page 1A of the Houston County Courier this week, we present our coverage of the ribbon-cutting ceremony held for the brand-new Grapeland Elementary School. It was held Thursday, August 22nd. With an enormous crowd of students, teachers, school board members, school administrators, school staff members, and community residents in attendance, the official opening of the school was celebrated. See our complete story about the ribbon cutting and a photo from the event in the paper. Now, in addition, on the front page, we included a story about an event that will be held early next month that would help raise funds for a facility that serves children in Houston and Trinity counties who are abused sexually and in other ways. It's the third annual Boots and Bling Dinner auction hosted by Kalen Center, a child advocacy center, and it will be held in the Crockett Civic Center, 1100 Edmiston Drive in Crockett, and that's on Saturday, September the 7th, beginning at 5.30 p.m. Houston County and Trinity County residents, we're asking you to be sure to polish your boots and bring out your best and brightest bling and make plans to attend this event. Invitees are asked to attend and support the event and Kalen Center to help serve abused children and prevent child abuse in the two counties. 
A steak dinner will be served at the event, and Jenna Quinn, a child abuse survivor who lives in the Dallas area, will be the guest speaker. Activities at the event will include live and silent auctions, a rifle raffle, and a cake auction. To reserve tables or purchase tickets, call Kalen Center at 936-545-9455. Pick up a copy of the paper to see our complete story about this event. Additionally, on page 1A, we have a story about the Crockett City Council's Monday, August 26th meeting, at which they adopted the city's property tax rate for the upcoming fiscal year. The rate, which is 59.6791 cents per $100 of assessed property valuation, is unchanged from the current year's rate. See the paper for a complete story about this item and other matters that were addressed at the council meeting. And on front page, here's a note from the Houston County Sheriff's Office. A U.S. Census Bureau representative has notified the Sheriff's Office that census workers will be in the county between August 18th and October 11th. These workers should have their identification information visible, showing they are employed by the Bureau. They will also be checking addresses to confirm occupancy at this time, and that's the only thing that they will be doing, just checking addresses to confirm occupancy. County residents are asked to cooperate and be courteous with these census workers. If you suspect a scam or that someone is impersonating a census worker, contact law enforcement. Now also, we're proud to note that our sports editor Larry Lamb's special 2019 football preview section is included in this week's edition of The Courier. In this section, Lamb shares exciting and interesting information about the Crockett Bulldogs, Grapeland Santis, and Love Lady Lions. In addition, he includes some predictions on what we can expect from our area football teams this football season. And that's it for now. Until next week, be safe. This week in Trinity County, our top story features the Trinity Memorial Hospital District's board meeting, which took place last week on August 19th. The hot button issue, which has been talked about widely over the last few months, was whether or not the board would keep the tax rate at 12.93 cents per $100 valuation or raise it to 40 cents per $100 valuation, which the board believed was the necessary step to bring back the emergency room. The board decided to stick with the current tax rate of 12.93 cents per $100 valuation for the upcoming 2019-2020 fiscal year, which begins October 1st. The main reason for that is because CHI St. Luke's is in the process of merging with Dignity, and CHI St. Luke's, who offered to help Trinity Memorial Hospital reopen the emergency room, informed the board that they would not be able to truly help out with the process until their merger is complete a few months from now. By buying this extra time, the board can now entertain the notion of putting up a tax rate for vote next year and let the community decide through vote whether or not they want to bring back the emergency room. Groveton High School senior Cole Sullivan is featured this week. He has made a name for himself in the livestock showing circuit by showing his heifers and his limousine cattle. Cole has won several awards at various shows, not just across the state, but across the nation. He's won awards at the North Texas State Fair in Denton, the State Fair of Texas in Dallas, the Heart of Texas Fair in Waco, the American Royal in Kansas City, 
the Houston Livestock Show and Rodeo, Rodeo Austin, the Limousine Junior Nationals in Springfield, Missouri, and the National Western in Denver. When Cole is not showing, he is working on his studies because he plans to attend Texas A&M University where he wants to major in ag business. He also hopes to become a member of the livestock judging team at A&M. And when he's not studying or taking care of livestock, he is a member of the Groveton Boys basketball program and is entertaining the notion of playing baseball if his schedule allows it. Another member with Groveton ties, Cody Johnson, who graduated from Groveton High School in 2005, has also made a name for himself. Johnson is a country music artist and he recently went on a tour with George Strait when they performed in Foxborough, Massachusetts earlier this month. Cody has also performed at the Houston Livestock Show and Rodeo and other venues across the country. And he is featured in Joanne Bacon's Grove to Next Students Association article that she submitted this week as well. And the state of Texas on September 1st will become one of 18 states to raise the age of purchasing tobacco from 18 to 21. So anyone who just turned 18 will have to wait another three years before they can purchase tobacco again. Anybody who's 19 or 20 who has been purchasing tobacco for the last year or two will have to now wait a year or two to purchase tobacco because of the age limit going up. And last but not least, we are featuring our three football teams, Trinity, Groveton, and Apple Springs, with our annual football preview. Trinity is featured in the B section, Groveton is featured in the C section, and Apple Springs is featured in the D section. All three teams started practice on August 5th, and they all competed in a pair of preseason scrimmages, and now they're gonna play for real Friday night. The Trinity Tigers will play host to Corrigan Camden. The Groveton Indians will travel to Love Lady, and the Apple Springs Eagles will host Conroe Covenant Christian. Apple Springs and Covenant Christian kick off at 7 p.m. at Nelson Davis Stadium. Groveton and Love Lady square off at 7.30 p.m. at Lions Stadium in Love Lady, and Trinity and Corrigan Camden will duke it out with a 7.30 kickoff at Tiger Stadium in Trinity. Mm-hmm.